Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. France to the Ukrainian military to help them as they fight against this invasion. And I thank the Congress for appropriating these funds. This new package on its own is going to provide unprecedented assistance to Ukraine. It includes 800 anti-aircraft systems to make sure the Ukrainian military can continue to can continue to stop the planes and helicopters that have been attacking their people and to defend their Ukrainian airspace. And at the request of President Zelensky, we have identified and are helping Ukraine acquire additional longer range anti-aircraft systems and the munitions for those systems. Our new assistance package also includes 9,000 anti-armor systems. These are portable high High, accurate, high, accurately, high accuracy shoulder-mounted missiles that Ukrainian forces have been using with great effect to destroy invading tanks and armored vehicles. That's President Biden. He's actually speaking live right now about the arms shipments that have gone on to Ukraine. And there is something important in this in that there are things that have worked. If we talk about the Russians stalling, and their incompetence. Part of it is they did not expect any resistance. Part of the resistance that they're getting is not necessarily based from the air. So when the no-fly zone conversation happens, there is a legitimate ask of, is that really the thing that's going to work? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Uh, Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Congresswoman Jackie Walorski scheduled to be with us a little bit later. She was there to listen to President Zelensky of Ukraine as he addressed Congress today. We'll break that down. I have an amazing story about how they're trying to scare us again on COVID, but I want to go back to President Biden really quick as he's talking about the assistance being given to Ukraine. As we source additional stocks of equipment that, are all, that we're ready to transfer. Now... Now, I want to be honest with you. This could be a long and difficult battle, but the American people will be steadfast in our support of the people of Ukraine in the face of Putin's immoral, unethical attacks on civilian populations. We are united in our abhorrence of Putin's depraved onslaught, and we're going to continue to have their backs as they fight for their freedom, their democracy, their very survival. And we're going to give Ukraine the arms to fight and defend themselves through all the difficult days ahead. We're going to continue to mobilize humanitarian relief to support people within Ukraine and those who have been forced to flee Ukraine. In just the past few weeks, we provided $300 million of humanitarian assistance to the people in Ukraine and in neighboring countries. Tens of thousands of tons of food, water, medicine, and other basic supplies to support the people in need. Our experts on the ground in Poland and Moldova and other neighboring countries are there to make real-time assessments of the rapidly evolving crisis to get urgently needed humanitarian supplies to the people in need when they need it. And we will support Ukraine's economy with direct financial assistance as well. And together with our allies and partners, we will keep up the pressure on Putin's crumbling economy, isolating him on the global stage. That's our goal. Make Putin pay the price, weaken his position, while strengthening the hand of the Ukrainians on the battlefield and at the negotiating table. Together with our allies and partners, we're going to stay the course, and we'll do everything we can to push for and end this tragic, unnecessary war. I think it's interesting that he talks about the negotiating table. He's gets that, isn't it, aren't you hinting that uh, the Ukrainians are going to have to negotiate, they're going to have to give up something? And there really does seem to be this starting of a fait accompli 
that Ukraine has to give up the Donbass. They have to give up uh, Donetsk and, and Luhansk. They're going to lose something in this because, well, that's just the way it is. And I continue to be opposed to having troops on the ground. I absolutely positively do. Now, uh, Biden is uh, signing uh, the, the, the legislation. He's flanked by the Secretary of State, uh, Anthony Blinken. It's the billion dollars, right? So CNN has an 800 million. Fox News has a billion. So it's one of the two. So let's call it a billion and and, and, and we'll stay uh, friends. He's flanked by uh, Commander of the Joint Chiefs, Millie on one side and uh, Anthony Blinken on the other. If our argument is we shouldn't even be sending money or we shouldn't be sending uh, support in terms of th- this weaponry, uh, well, now that's that's a whole different thing. That's a whole different thing if you're opposed to that as well. I am not opposed to these things. I am opposed to the Ukrainians being able to fight. I'm in, I, am, I am in favor of this level of support, just not troops on the ground. But this isn't the only story going on. Once again, we are forced to recognize that people who focus on only one thing, they, they, they sometimes purposefully allow themselves to miss out on stories that have equal importance. I don't argue against what's happening in Ukraine and, and, and how we need to keep our eyes on it and, and in advancing Putin, the danger that that provides. I am not walking away from that at all or in any way. But I wanted to share with you a story about a school in New York. And if you know me at all, and I haven't talked about this in a while, I was actually going back, it was probably been a couple of years. Um, the people who lie to get attention, and very often it's racial. We have seen, most recently, the case of Jesse Smollett. And the case of Jesse Smollett, uh, they want him out of jail. They're saying that the brother's getting death threats. Oh, we're going to hurt your brother. We're going to do this, that, and the other. So they're saying that Jesse Smollett should be out of jail. And Jesse Smollett, he's got a compromised immune system and, and, and all these things. So, uh, so you, you can't have him uh, uh, in jail. He's got to be out. Guy got sentenced to 150 days in jail for being a liar and a fraud and claiming that America is a bigoted place when it's not. He couldn't get attacked by two white guys in Chicago, so he had to pay two black guys to attack him and claim that they were two white guys. I mean, that's not having a problem. But we have seen these stories. Oh, a noose was found on a college campus. Turns out it was a black professor who put it there. Oh, this word was written on a, on a, in, a in a high school. Turns out it was a black student who put it there. The story out of a Catholic girl's school in Rochester, New York, Our Lady of Mercy School for Young Women, grades 6 through 12, located within the Roman Catholic Diocese of Rochester, engaged in investigation because uh, what was written is this school is filled with a bunch of N-words, get out or else. And of course they... They, they took to protesting, and racism has no room uh, in mercy, and Black Lives Matter, and all oh, this is just disgusting. The investigation showed that it was written by one of the students, and the student is a 
person of color. You can see me do the air quotes right there. I really do despise the concept person of color. I don't know what to do with that. I just, it, it, it irks me to no end. Now that just irks me. It is when we decide to use the term African-American that I go crazy. How am I supposed to know and how is anybody supposed to know if someone you're speaking to who is black is actually African? What if they're not African? Wouldn't that be insulting? Wouldn't the proper term be black? Well, it, it is to me. And so that is what I use. In case you were ever wondering why I say the things that I say, it's because I've thought about why it is other people say them. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. But it was seemingly a, a person of color. We're going to say a black girl. We, it could be, couldn't, maybe it wasn't black, but certainly was not white who wrote this. Now, the school says that the maximum disciplinary action has been taken against the student. For legal reasons and in accordance with Mercy's confidentiality practices, the student will not be identified. Mercy has zero tolerance for this kind of behavior. Appropriate and maximum disciplinary action has been taken. So the girl was thrown out of the school. The girl was thrown out of the school, right? I mean, that's the only action that can happen. But you never know how these schools are going to act. The question is, how are we going to act? Because this is another story of making it up. So we're clear, bigotry is real. I know it exists. I don't live, I'm not a Pollyanna. I I don't live in a fantasy world. None of that. But when you're when you're when you're doing it to yourself, if you will, because you're looking for attention, what's the difference between this girl and Jesse Smollett? Nothing. This girl had a better cover story. She's a teenager. That, there's the only difference, and I'm willing to bet that she's probably a better actor. The, the two differences I'm willing to go with. Made it up. The horror here is that people will not dig into the story to find out it was a lie. They'll just hear about what was written at a Catholic uh, school in, in Rochester, New York, and say, oh, bigotry everywhere. You see, this is the problem, the bigotry. This is, this is the problem, and, there, and there's, there's white privilege everywhere. Speaking of white privilege, I thought this story was fascinating. There is a story about a, uh, a business in Silicon Valley. And the Silicon Valley firm is getting punched in the face because they had the audacity to ask job applicants for their scores on an IQ test, which is, you know, maybe legally questionable. They wanted to know the the, the IQ. Something called Soma Capital. Uh, they're involved in, in investments in, in, in a bunch of, of things. They wanted a multi-stage investor role. That was the job listing. And it required applicants to go to a website called IQtest.com, take a free test, and include their score. And they also wanted you to take a Meyer Briggs personality test. I took one of those. You know what it came back as? Awesome. <laughs> so what we are told is that you can't ask for the IQ test. There was a college in Connecticut that asked a woman to explain and, and, and defend her white privilege and was told she didn't get the job because her explanation missed the mark, 
because black students might not be able to work with you. Well, those students are awful. Throw them out of your college. I work with white people. I work with black people. I work with men. I work with women. You work with people. And if you can't work with them, well, then you got to go. Same thing is true for the students. Students are going to say, well, I'm black. I can only work with black people. That's not the real world. You're worthless to me. If you can't work with all people, you are worthless to me. Uh, uh, save communists. You don't have to work for, with communists when you work with me. I, 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 do, I do indeed draw the line. I do indeed draw the line at Pinkos. But dear Lord, what kind of thing are you teaching these students? You can ask white privilege, you can't ask IQ tests. What the hell is this? What the hell kind of nonsense is this? And this brings us to a better one. And this goes to the idea of the culture war. Something we talk about a lot. And something that keeps coming up as if somehow it's a problem. I say it again. The culture war is good. Not only am I happy to fight it, I plan on winning it. So it was a TikTok video. If you ever watch TikTok videos, sometimes, I don't know if it's a, it's a text-to-speech kind of thing. Um, but it's, it's this, um, they're describing to you what's in the video. So this is how it starts. If it would start. Showing up to, uh. showing up to teach fourth grade the day after the don't say gay bill passes through the Florida house. So it's this teacher who I, I guess is proclaiming he's gay. And first of all, lying about the idea that Florida has a don't say gay bill. So he's a teacher and he's a liar. That's not good on the on the on the job kind of thing, right? We should have asked that in the interview. Do you lie? Cause this teacher does. So it 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 it's it's you know showing up to teach fourth grade the day after this bill passed through the house. And uh this this teacher is wearing a, a sweatshirt that says, this classroom is for everyone. It's got a couple of gay pride flags on it. And also, we should note, he's wearing a mask in Florida. Uh, and then uh, it, it continues uh, that he's uh, drinking from a water bottle that says, protect queer kids. That, that, that's his, that's his uh, water bottle uh, there. And then after that, uh, he's got some rainbow flag um, uh, socks going on, and then he opens up his laptop, and um, uh, it, you know it's got a rainbow flag thing that says "Vote." It says "Education Activism" on a number, another uh, sticker he's got on his laptop, and then the top left corner it says "Black Lives Matter." There is no doubt that it is the culture war that led this girl to write uh, the N word on on the wall of her um, school to try and draw attention. Even though nobody was calling her a name, she just felt like it had to be done. What's interesting is that she writes it and people won't talk about it. If I were to read it verbatim, what she wrote on the wall, I'd lose my job. So first, you have that bit of culture. You have this level of attack. Then you have the idea that we are codifying that you can ask people about their white privilege. Defend your white privilege. I would laugh in someone's face. There is no name I wouldn't call them if they asked me to do that in an interview. 
literally nothing. I, 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 I wouldn't call you. But you can't ask for someone's IQ, but you can say, defend your white privilege. I'll decide whether you've done it right. I'll decide whether or not you've given the right answer or whether you have missed the mark. Why? Because of the color of your skin? You have dominion over another and you decide whether they've given a good answer or a bad answer? Dear Lord, you sound like a courtroom in Alabama in 1952. And then you have teachers lying about legislation and now trying to bring an entire uh, conversation to students because they really want their students to be activists. And that matters more to them than education. Just more reminders that you should be fighting the culture war because they are. And I think we should win it and put an end to the crazy. Not an end to people who are gay. Not an end to people who are black. Not an end uh, to people who, who want to have jobs as professors. Because those are all types of people. The crazy we should end. And all of those people who look at all those different ways, they're with us too. I'm Tony Katz. So I read about this IQ test in the story about uh, the, the Silicon Valley firm that's saying, hey, we want you to take IQ tests. So now I'm taking it. I'm on question number 14. And here it is. Here's question 14. Nine chickens, two dogs, and three cats have a total of 40 legs. So nine chickens has 18 legs. Two dogs has eight legs. So that's 26 altogether. And three cats have 12 legs. And so that's 48. Well, so that's false. I mean, you don't know if the... Maybe there's a three-legged dog in that. No, I think they're going with assumptions here. Nine chickens is 18, and two dogs is eight. So that's 26. And then three cats is 12. 26 is 38. I should say not 48, 38. So that is false. Thank you very much. I'm done. Question number 15. Are you with me, everybody? Class is in session. 16 hours are to one day as 20 days are to June's length. Oh, no, I need a because sixteen hours to one day. Uh, it, so that that'd be missing eight hours. So it assumes that that uh, uh, the month of June is missing eight days, and that would be twenty two, not twenty. So I'm saying that is false. Damn, Tony, you're smart. I am saying college degree, my ass, people. Ha! Uh, Congressman Jackie Walorski scheduled to be with us next. She was there to hear the Ukrainian president Vladimir Zelensky. What does she think Congress is going to do? What does she think it should do? Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. Yesterday, we saw reports that Russian forces were holding hundreds of doctors and patients hostage in the largest hospital in Mariupol. These are atrocities. They're an outrage to the world. And the world is united in our support for Ukraine and our determination to make Putin pay a very heavy price. America is leading this effort, together with our allies and partners, providing enormous levels of security and humanitarian assistance that we're adding to today, and we're going to continue to do more in the days and weeks ahead. That was President Biden after 
Zelensky spoke, the president of Ukraine, after he spoke to Congress asking for help, begging for help, invoking September 11th, invoking Martin Luther King, invoking Pearl Harbor Day. The question is, is that going to move? Is that going to move the uh, Congress to saying, hey, maybe we should be discussing troops? In Ukraine, Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Congressman Jackie Walorski joins us right now. She represents Indiana's second district. And you were there for uh, the statement from President Zelensky. Uh, before we get into uh, what may come next, what was your reaction to it? Powerful, Tony. You know, there was a standing ovation for him as soon as he came up on the uh, virtual video at the beginning and the end. And you can tell the hearts and souls of bipartisan, bicameral support here in the Congress is with them. The American people are standing with President Zelensky and the, and the Ukrainian people. And he felt that. He was overwhelmed. He, he saw what was happening. And But, you know, we can applaud all day long. We can stand in ovations all day long. But we still don't have what he needs is that air support. He needs those MiGs. He needs this president to stand up and do that. And there's no red line. So for all of the, you know, hoorah that went on this morning, and it's a good thing that he knows that we stand with him, our president is not necessarily doing anything with what he needs. So the the, the, the MiG conversation is about Poland moving the MiGs over, and, and clearly after Poland said, hey, take the MiGs, they then said, well, hey, we'll give them to the United States, and then the U.S. can give them over to Ukraine, and the Biden administration doesn't want to do that. Is there a belief amongst uh, those of you on Capitol Hill that the U.S. engage in giving those MiGs, and and as uh, Kurt Schlichter, retired U.S. Army colonel, described it to us, those MiGs need to be put into a better condition, which is us spending the money to rebuild the MiGs. Um, is, Is there a belief that somehow doing that will lead Putin to think that the U.S. is being aggressive and engage more aggression? Well, I guess, Tony, the, the, the answer to that question is another question. Why is President Biden allowing Putin to construct the rules of engagement here? He's the dictator. He's the killer. He's the one standing there with all this innocent blood on his hands. We seem to be the one standing by, day late, dollar short Biden, on, you know, dithering over do we, do we not, do we, do we not. You know, peace through strength is a tried and true principle in this country, and we believe it because we saw it with Ronald Reagan. I don't see anything happening good if President Biden doesn't make a decision and get those MiGs over there. The, the thing that President Zelensky was adamant about was we've got to stop the air power over Ukraine. Stop the air power or he's going to continue killing innocent people. So now I want to make sure I understand. Are are you someone who favors the no-fly zone idea that uh, President Zelensky is begging for? No, I support the MiGs. I support get those planes over there so they can shoot down those Russian fighters, so they can do what they want to do, and so we can acquiesce to President Zelensky's request, which is we need air power. I think, you know, there's a there's a path to victory here on getting them air power. I just think our president has been daily dollar short every single time we've dealt with sending aid to Ukraine. He's been slow at the beginning, and we're still having a conversation as Russian bombs are beating the daylights out of the infrastructure and killing innocent people. We're still having a conversation over here, evidently, with the president on do we or do we not knock out that air power. 
And, you know, I think it was interesting, Tony, when President Zelensky brought up 9-11 and when he brought up Pearl Harbor. You know, it immediately takes you back as an American to a vulnerable moment that we all stood together and watched happen. And I think that was incredible that he did that. And I think that kind of focuses all of our attention right now on are we going to give this guy what he needs to bring this to a halt? Or are we going to continue to just watch this happen and stand by and say, well, we're going to send more money. We're going to send more strikers or, you know, we're going to send more drones. But if that's not what they need, which is what President Zelensky, he thanks the president for what he is doing. But basically, this whole video that they showed us was all about knocking out that air power. Talking to Congresswoman Jackie Walorski of the 2nd District of Indiana. Let's discuss what might very well happen here, which is what is the concern as you are in, engaged in these conversations? Uh, what is the concern that we will not see Vladimir Putin stop? Meaning, is there a belief that the Ukrainians, as they are going right now, and they have been able to stymie Russian forces in multiple places, the Russian military has shown itself to be incompetent in many, many ways, um, but they are still doing damage. Is there a belief that, yes, indeed, the the uh, Ukrainian forces can push Putin into simply stopping because he can't advance, or is there a real belief that Ukraine is going to fall? Well, I think as the as the pleas from President Zelensky intensify, and there is such an urgency in his voice when he's asking for this, he needs the leader of the free world to stand up and make a decision. He needs the one thing he asked, you know, at the end of his speech was, "I need President Biden to be the president of peace." I need the leader of the free world to weigh in on this and not pretend it's not happening. I, I'm not following you. The question is, is, is Congress concerned that uh, it, does Congress believe that Ukraine, as it is with getting help from our javelins and stingers and getting help from the United Kingdom, getting help from the whole of Europe, uh, can stop the Russians? Or is it the belief that the Russians will eventually take Ukraine? Well, I think it's simple. I think I think a lot of us heard and believed President Zelensky that they'll be victorious as long as they get help with air power. They will be victorious. And I think a lot of us understand that, which is why these MiGs are so important, as opposed to just sitting back and saying, well, you know, Russia's going to take over anyway. I think, you know, we're on the side of Ukraine. If we give them what they need, there's really no reason they can't be victorious. But if we keep if we keep dilly-dallying around on, on this president, you know, one day he's in, one day he's out, or just let this play out, I think those, then there's serious questions. But I do know one thing is we can't let Putin be the one that's operating the rules of engagement and setting the calendar here for what he's going to do and whether he's offended and on whether he's the one that's going to make a move of escalation. For God's sake, I mean, we got to stand up as the leader of the free world and tell Putin what's going on and what we're going to do. And that is not happening. Talking to Congresswoman Jackie Walorski of the Indiana 2nd District. So now comes the question about the idea of what the help is. We heard President Biden saying we're sending more of this, we're sending money. At what moment does America say we're not sending any more money? We've done what we can here, and it is indeed up to you, Ukraine, to be able to handle this. Is there a dollar amount that Congress won't stomach? You know, I think those conversations are going to be approached by what's actually happening on the ground. 
All I know is this. If we want to minimize this war and this conflict, send these people what they're asking for. As long as those Russian fighters are flying over and killing innocent people, you know, the only escalation here is on the on Putin's side, continuing to do what he's doing and even ramping it up. So, you know, if we want to be serious about bringing this to an end and Ukrainian having the absolute opportunity to be victorious, we need to do what they're asking us to do. We need to send those MiGs in there, take out the Russian firepower from the sky. Well, I think there's a big debate about whether or not uh, the, those MiGs can actually engage uh, in, in in a way that takes them out because it's still operated uh, by by the Ukrainians. Uh, it would be hard to believe that that is the the totality of, of the conversation. But as as or or the 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 military uh, situation in in question, um, is there a concern? And in, in after the conversation with Zelensky, and I think that we saw it uh, happening. I don't think there was any a private level of conversation. Is no. there conversation happening right now about Vladimir Putin saying, hey, while I'm doing this, maybe I can move some troops uh, looking at the Baltic? Is there a conversation about um, whether or not the Chinese have indeed been helping? That was, of course, rumored. China is saying, no, they haven't, but uh, it's very hard uh, to, to, to believe them. Uh, so, uh, so the question uh, before us uh, is, are we seeing more movement from Russia that concerns us? Well, it concerns me. I'll tell you this. And for my constituents that I represent, it's very concerning that he won't stop here. And when you look at the reason why we have weak leadership here, why would Putin be afraid of the of the uh, the commander in chief, the president in this country, if he's not holding him accountable and doing absolutely nothing other than what we, you know, daily dollar short Biden, what we've sent them so far. You know, they're very grateful for what we've sent them, but there's a grave danger, Tony, in what's going to happen with these Baltic countries and what's going to happen on these borders. Why do we think that we're dealing with a rational world leader in Vladimir Putin? that he's going to make rational decisions. We're not. And that's where the vacuum of leadership on the United States of America's part becomes so essential. If there's a vacuum of leadership and you have no idea what's going on in a dictator's mind, you stand up and you lead. And that's what's missing. But I think the concern is great when you look at those NATO allies. The whole concept of leadership, I think, is, is the big one. And there seems to be a question of, well, who exactly is in charge here? And I'm not making the argument uh, of there's some kind of shadow presidency going on, Congresswoman. Rather, I, I am making the argument of it seems that under this president, there is not a value system that is being proactively uh, pushed. Uh, do you see an issue with those people engaged with the conversation of I don't want to send troops asking questions about what our, our uh, best uh, investment is here or, or what, what is really best for the United States uh, or, or, or maybe said differently, uh, do you see a vision for peace coming from the Biden administration that you and the Republican Party can find yourself backing? Oh, boy, that's a tall order because he hasn't done anything yet that we agree with, whether it's in Afghanistan or currently happening right now. You know, the world is safer when America is stronger. And let's not forget 
that, you know, we're the ones at the top here that, that are making the investment. You know, we see that, you know, uh, you have a world, you, you have a dictator in Putin. He has to be stopped. There's no red line coming out of here that says, hey, one more step and we're going to do this or one more step. We're going to do that. Well, where are we going to go? Tony, if the president doesn't stand up and make some decisions, are we going to say, well, we're going to come after, you know, we're going to let them have their planes if you release chemical weapons on these people? Really? He's already released those thermal bombs that destroy people from the inside. He's killing innocent women and children at clinics and hospitals and watching these humanity people walking to Poland and he's blowing up their way. What, for God's sakes, needs to happen for this president to, to put his two feet down and basically say enough is enough? We've seen enough. These people have experienced, you know, hell on earth at the, at the sight of Vladimir Putin. And we are still standing here sending drones and stingers and the plea from, you know, the, the, the mass graves that they're throwing these bodies into. The plea is we cannot stop without air coverage of knocking down these Russian fighters. Please give us these planes, and that's what they're asking for. Well, there's a whole conversation whether or not the planes are going to work. I mean, there is a conversation of whether or not the planes are going to work. I don't care if they get the planes. Maybe we should have started this two weeks ago. Maybe we should have started three weeks ago of making sure those service was done on those planes instead of dillying around with a president that can't make a decision. We had two weeks to do this so far. This is going to be an incredible back and forth that continues into the days ahead. But I am with you that a vision from Joe Biden about American leadership in the world is lacking. Congresswoman Jackie Walorski, I appreciate you taking the time from the 2nd District. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. Thank you. So many emails coming in, uh, the the tweets, with thoughts about, you know, what, really, I I rarely do this, right? I I set, like, a topic for the day, and uh, where are we? Do we, as a a nation, want to go to war with with Russia for for Ukraine? I mean, that that is a question. And we're seeing these kind of unique mixed messages coming from Congress, you know, I, I, I heard Representative Walorski right there. I'm not 100% sure that uh, giving them the planes three weeks ago would have mattered the most. I just don't mind Poland saying, hey, we have these makes, take them. You figure out what to do with them. But when you get into the idea that the U.S. has to fix them, well, that creates a different level of, of conversation for sure. But if you're going to send javelins and stingers, it doesn't make any sense to me why you wouldn't send the planes. And even though it's not us sending the planes, it's Poland Poland sending the planes. But moreover, the larger question was, where are we with what we heard from Zelensky today? And where are we with how we want this to proceed? And the point of the exercise is that the these conversations that we're having, and some people are sending me emails that are very thoughtful, and some people are sending me emails that are, I, I think, rather insulting. Uh, it's mainly because, you know, to be emotional about a thing is, why aren't you agreeing with me? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I might not be agreeing with you because you could be a schmuck. Or you could be a genius and I could be a schmuck. But you don't scream at somebody for not agreeing with you. You say, hey, here's how I see it. Tell me what you think. You got to lay it out. 
people. You got to lay it out and you have to lay out the whole of the conversation and not find yourself so emotionally attached to it that you are unwilling to change about it or so emotionally attached to it that you'll scream at people about it because then you'll never get them to see your point. The way to engage this conversation is through culture in order to get people to understand what it is you're trying to put on the table. Because we have a Congress and we have other people out there within culture who believe that Congress has to do something. Oh, this is a tragedy. Without thinking through what it is they're doing. And in order for Congress to know what to do, we, the people who they represent, they need to be told by us what we want them to do. That's that's why we're talking about it. So... Don't allow your emotions to be the number one thing here. That's what other people are doing. We need to talk it through, and we might disagree. So, so what? We'll keep at it. But focusing on what matters to most to America is paramount. Keeping Russia at bay does matter. Not getting involved in a war until you have to also matters. I'm Tony Katz.